And so by the time I got to college, or rather by the time I finished college, having 30 plus thousand dollars in student loan debt, and I don't even know how much in revolving credit card debt, it just felt normal to me. It felt completely normal. And I never really thought about how I was going to repay any of it. You're listening to Building a Beauty Business, a show that explores how your favorite beauty pros started, scaled, and grew their business. We ask the questions you've been dying to get the answers to so that you too can start, scale, and grow your beauty business. I'm your host, Frida Brown. Let's get started. What's up, y'all? And welcome back to another episode of Building a Beauty Business. So if you joined me for the first episode of the podcast, you heard me talk about how my credit was not going to get it and my money was funny. And even though I love that expression and you will probably hear me use it over and over, it's true. All jokes aside, it, it, or rather it was true. It was very, very true for me for a very long time. And I think that is why personal finance is one of those things. It's just, I enjoy talking about it because I know what my journey was like going through it and what my journey continues to be like. And the interesting thing is my undergraduate degree is in accounting and finance, business administration specifically. And so some people would think, I can't believe you ever had issues with money. You went to school for finance and accounting and business and all the things. But here's the thing most people don't realize. Personal finance is completely different than running spreadsheets for Fortune 500 companies. I don't even know. I don't even know if I realize that, but I realize it. The two things have nothing in common. So today I want to talk about how I fixed my funny money situation. Now, let me preface this by saying I am not a certified financial expert. I, while I do hold a degree in business administration, that's about all I hold. So, so do not be going to your accountant and talking about free to said and what y'all not going to do is call the IRS and say, Frida said this. And on the Building Beauty Business podcast, she was talking about this. And so, mm-mm, you're not going to hold me accountable. You are not going to make me responsible for whatever mess you may or may not be in. But what you can do, as per usual, is get out a pen and paper. Because y'all know I always got five tips. It's something about five tips that works for me. And I am going to explain to you what I did, what worked for me. Take what you need and leave the rest. But I am not in a position to provide legal, professional, financial advice. I just want to reiterate that. Okay, cool. Got it. All right, let's keep it pushing. So these are some of the things that I did to fix my funny money situation. So it's time for a little bit of a story. We're going to go way, way back. So I graduated college in the fall of 2000. And like a lot of people, I came out of college with a lot of student loan debt and a lot of credit card debt. Growing up, I never had any examples of what it looked like to be a good steward over your money. There were times when I know for a fact certain utilities were not paid. 
I don't know how my parents dealt with credit card debt, but I know that they had it. And I know there were always pink envelopes coming in the mail. And if you don't know, a pink envelope usually means that the bill is late. Nowadays, you don't see pink envelopes as much because most everything is electronic and most people's bills are paperless. But back then I knew enough to know that some of these bills are not getting paid and credit card companies back then they would call your house and they were calling the house. So growing up, there was never really a foundation set for how to be a good steward over your money. And so some could argue that's why I was not a good steward over my money. And some might also argue that's why they were because they had an up close and personal front row seat to what it looked like to not be a good manager of your money. Nevertheless, I wasn't. And so by the time I got to college or rather by the time I finished college, having 30 plus thousand dollars in student loan debt, and I don't even know how much in revolving credit card debt, it just felt normal to me. It felt completely normal. And I never really thought about how I was going to repay any of it. More specifically, the student loan piece, I never considered how I was gonna repay my student loans. The revolving, the credit card debt, it just kind of sat there. And it sat there and it sat there a little bit longer. And it sat there so long that it began to affect my credit. I was barely making the minimum payments, which in hindsight, the minimum payments mean nothing. That was one of the first thing I learned. You are not going to get out of debt just making the minimum payments. But at the time, before I could even get to that little nugget, I was barely making the minimum payments. And what I want to say is, I don't know why I wasn't making the minimum payments. I got a pretty decent job coming out of undergrad. I was making good money for a 20-something year old. Why I wasn't making the minimum payments, I don't know. I don't have a ton of jewelry or trips or vacations or a bunch of passport stamps to show that I was doing something else with my money. I don't know where my money was going, but I tell you where it wasn't going. It wasn't going to Discover Card. It was not going to Visa. <laughs> I don't know where it was going. So I wasn't paying my bills. And so that was the first thing I did to ruin my credit was not paying my bills. So number one, the first tip that I will give you if your money is still funny and your credit won't get it is to start paying your bills. It's such a simple thing, but oftentimes we don't do it. There was a time where I was going through some old papers and I came across a cable bill that was a delinquent statement. I would go so far as to say I'm embarrassed to tell you how much the bill was for, but I'm actually not because I've since come through this. Y'all, the bill was for like $150. Somebody please tell me why was I delinquent on a $150 cable bill. You wanna talk about the great mysteries of the world? That's one of them. Why the hell couldn't I pay a $150 bill? What was my life like? Y'all, what was I doing? Just thinking about it, honestly, blows my mind. There is no reason why I could not and did not pay a bill that was $100, $200. And so when you multiply that over your cable bill and your Discover bill and your Visa bill and your MasterCard and your light bill, well, now it does feel overwhelming. And oftentimes when we are overwhelmed, we end up in a state of paralysis and we do nothing. And my only guess is perhaps that is what was going through my head. 
that it all just felt like too much. And I just had no way to, no concept of how to manage it. And so I didn't manage it. So if you're in a situation where the bills are accumulating, my first advice, number one for me, for what I did, I just paid my bill. Again, not telling you how to do it, simply telling you what I did. I paid my bill. All right, so fast forward, you know, my credit is jacked up. I'm finally starting to slowly pay these bills. And this took a while. This was not an overnight process. Number two, something that I had to do to really make a difference in my money situation. I had to automate my savings. And I know a lot of times we read stuff and it tells you to put your savings on autopilot. But there was a part B to that right? There was A, automate your savings. But B was, don't touch it. I'm going to say a lot of for the people in the back. Once you automate your savings, don't touch your savings. You see, I shared in the first episode that for me, getting a flat tire was considered an emergency. It might cost you anywhere between $100 and $300 to fix a flat tire, depending on whether you have to plug the tire or replace the tire. In hindsight, there was no reason why something that cost between $100 and $300 for me should have been an emergency, and yet it was. And so the first thing I did was touch my savings account. Now, I would never do that. My savings is on autopilot, and I don't touch it. The last time I had to really tap into my savings was when I was on maternity leave for my son. That's a life-changing event. I get to tap my savings for that. I do not get permission to tap into my savings because I need to replace my car tire. I just don't. For me, that money should be sitting in my regular everyday account. And if I need to get to it, I will get to it and it's readily available. But my savings account, my savings account don't have nothing to do with my everyday life. It just doesn't. I couldn't even tell you honestly to the penny what is in there because that's how infrequently I check it because that is how off limits my savings account is. So that would be, that for me was the next thing that I did. I put it on autopilot and I made it untouchable. It was like a, like a, like a gang. My savings account was untouchable. I couldn't touch it. It couldn't be messed with. Number three. I got a little cheaper. I'm going to just be honest. I got a little bit cheaper. And I've never had extravagant taste. I have nothing against extravagant taste. I've never been into big designers. have nothing against it. It's just not my thing. But I realized that if I wanted to make my money work better for me, I was going to have to start spending less of it. So that's what I did. I've always been big on buying stuff on sale. I'm not against paying full price for something, but I did learn that you don't have to buy everything you like. You don't have to take every trip you want to take. It's okay to not go somewhere sometimes. It is perfectly okay to grocery shop and cook your food versus eating out all the time. Eating out can get very expensive and I love to eat. I enjoy food. It's my love language. You want to see me smile? Feed me. It is truly the way to my heart. It's funny because it's also how I show up for others. I love feeding people. 
But eating out, eating out gets very expensive. And so there was a period where I just didn't eat out as much. I just didn't spend as much money that didn't need to be spent. And I was able to then take that money and pay off my debt. I'm going to tell you all a story. There, people don't write checks as much as they used to. But back in the day, it sounds so old for me to say that, but I'm going to say it anyway. Back in the day when I was renting, there was this one apartment that I lived in. And the rent, like most places, was due between the first and the fifth. I would get paid. Let's say my paycheck didn't come until the 6th or the 7th. I, f- I forget why, but it wasn't always in line with my rent payment. Now, fiscally, the smart thing to do would have been, so if, if rent is due between the 1st and the 5th, and I don't get paid until, say, I don't know, the 10th, the unsmart thing to do is to pay my rent late on the 10th, which is what I would do. The smart thing to do would be to pay my rent early on the 10th of say May in advance of the 1st of June. But I wasn't responsible enough for that. So I was paying my rent late. But something else that I used to do was I would write a check. This is back when you wrote checks for your rent. You didn't pay electronically. Y'all, this is this is funny. I would write the check and then put it in the Dropbox on Friday evening after the rental office closed. Because even though I didn't have any money in the bank, I knew that check was going to bounce. I also knew they weren't going to get the check until Monday. So that gave me a whole weekend. And then by the time they got the check, they weren't going to cast the check for another 48 hours. So by that point, I got paid. They cast a check and all was right with the world. So basically, I was doing what people used to call floating. I was floating a check. I knew that I had nothing but $5 in my account until I got paid. But I also knew that this check had to be dated by a certain date. So I would put the check in the mailbox and that gave me the two, three days over the weekend plus another two days before this check would clear. That's how I used to pay my rent. Isn't that sad for me? That was sad for me, right? Like where was my money going that I needed an extra five days before I could pay my rent. Why not just pay it early? That's just not the way my brain was working at the time. It's it's just not. And so I used to do a lot of things like that to kind of get through and get over and work my way around the system. I'm telling y'all, I I could start a whole podcast on how to mess up your credit. I really could because I did all the things you should not do. Those are the things I did. Okay. So we're getting back to number three. I said I got a little bit cheaper, right? I stop spending as much money. The less you spend, the more you have. So I became very aware of how much I was spending on stuff. And it made a huge difference because it meant I had more money left over. And more money left over meant I was able to pay down my debt even quicker. Number four, I know that there are a ton of books out there on finances and on wealth building. And while I did have some, there were some um, Susie Orman books that I read. The title escapes me. I read Think and Grow Rich. The game changer for me, and I did not see this coming, was Dave Ramsey. Now say what you will about his political and his personal affiliations. I didn't really get too much into that, but somebody put me on to his podcast 
and his books and his website and his debt repayment system. And when I tell you game changer for me, he has this method called the snowball method. And I don't know if he, he has the trademark to this, if it's his, I can't speak to that, but he listening to him was the first time that I became aware of it. And I'm going to try to give it to you in a nutshell as I remember it. Let's say you have a credit card that has a $5,000 balance, a $10,000 balance, and a $15,000 balance. Maybe I'm making $300 payments to each. Based on the snowball method, if I recall correctly, I would take that $5,000 card, start with the lowest because now you feel like you're building momentum. And instead of making $300 payments to all three of these cards, I'm now going to make maybe not quite 900 because I still want to make the minimum payments on the other two cards. So let's say I take about $800 to start paying off that first card and 50 to the second, 50 to the third, right? Because maybe that's the minimum. Now, instead of me making $300 payments to that first card, which is going to take much longer, I'm now making $800 payments to that first card. So now I have tripled the time in which I can pay off this first card. So the first card, instead of getting paid off in four years, it now gets paid off in two and a half years. All right, so now, once that card got paid off, I'm now taking $850, 800 from the first card, 50 from the second, and paying off the second card. So instead of that second card taking four years to get paid off, that card maybe only takes two and a half years to get paid off. And so basically every time you pay something off, you take the money from that bill and you add it to the money you're already paying to the other bill and you put them together and you pay off the next bill. That was the method that I used to really get myself in a debt-free situation. And I loved it. It worked amazing for me. It allowed me to pay off my car early. It allowed me to significantly reduce my balance on my student loan payments. I'm telling you, it was a game changer. And there are some people who have objections to the way that he handles the snowball effect. Look, find a system that works for you is what I am trying to say. And for me, it was the snowball method through the Dave Ramsey podcast. You listen to this podcast and you hear people who have regular jobs. You know, mom is a teacher. Dad is an electrician. They're not making a ton of money, but they're retiring early. Things like that became far more appealing to me than eating out all the time. And this goes back to last week's episode when we talk about community. Sometimes community is physical and it's in person, but sometimes community is just what you listen to, right? Listening to podcasts on wealth building and debt repayment. That became my community for a while because I was consumed with being a better steward over my money. So if you want me to tie this back to growing your business, there's no way you can grow a business if your personal credit is jacked. You just can't, especially as a solopreneur, because typically solopreneurs are set up as LLCs. And when you are an LLC, my understanding is it basically is you, right? So my taxes, even though I have this business, my taxes are basically me. So if I'm applying for a credit card, they're looking at me. So if Frida's credit is jacked up, well, their assumption is the business's credit is going to be jacked up. So I may not get qualified. So 
find a system that works for you and work it. It works if you work it. The last thing that I will say is this. Being in debt can be embarrassing. It's it's not something that I feel like we talk about openly. And now that I am so much better about my spending habits, I enjoy talking openly about my debt, my debt repayment, and how I got myself to a better situation. I openly enjoy discussing credit, using credit wisely. Just the other day, I was on the phone with one of my homegirls and we were talking about credit scores. You've got a number five for me. And what I want to leave you with is you have to be willing to talk about it. I feel like it's this, this mask, um, if you will, this X on your back when you have bad credit, when you're not a good steward over your money. And nobody's really talking about it. And it wasn't until I started to have open discussions with other people on how to be a better steward over my money. How did you get out of debt? What tools are you using? What podcasts are you listening to? It's when I got better because I stopped being so embarrassed to talk about it. As we, we have these good girlfriends in our lives and so often we don't know what their credit score is. We don't know what their money situation is. And some of you might say, well, cause it's none of your damn business. And maybe that's true, but how do you know if you don't ask, right? How do you know? Well, my girlfriend and I were chopping it up the other day. I was sharing with her my philosophy on how to use credit wisely. There was a period where, because I jacked my credit up so much, I thought I should just not use credit at all. And for a while, I didn't. I didn't think I was responsible enough to handle credit. What I realized was, I am responsible enough to use credit. I just need to use credit wisely. But that came to me as a result of having conversations with people and listening to other people and being open about what was difficult for me in terms of my relationship with credit. I now use credit very wisely. I have nothing against it. It's a tool that allows me to grow personally and professionally. But these are things that I acquired because I've been in conversation with people. Guys, we have to stop being afraid to talk to other people about what's going on. There are certain things that you're just not gonna know because you don't know. But when you are willing to have the conversation with a friend and say, hey, I'm trying to get my credit score up. I heard you kind of mentioned in passing that you were able to do that. How did you do it? There's nothing like listening to a podcast and reading a book. But when you are able to just sit in, the, in community with people and talk about the things that you're trying to elevate and do better, that to me is the ticket to success. As usual, guys, I gave you five tips. That's all I have for today. I could go on and on and on talking about this. The number of stories that I have about bad credit before I got the good credit. Ooh, that's a whole nother episode in and of itself. But I'm going to let you go because I don't like to keep you for longer than about 20 minutes. Shoot me a DM. If you want to take this conversation even further, I will see you next time. Thanks for joining. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Feel free to leave a five-star review and let us know what you think. We want to hear your stories. You can find us on social media at Building a Beauty Business. You can also find me at It's Frida Brown. 
We'll see you next time.